Welcome along, everybody. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back. It's Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse Quigley. I'm Jay Purcell. Yes, sir. Founder of Signal Radio. Thank you very much. Yes, that is true. That's a fact. That's, I'm sitting here right next to him, guys. It's, he's a real guy. <laughs> I'm real. I'm not... He's, I'm he's, not artificial intelligence. He's not a uh, what, what Satoshi Nakamoto. Oh my god! The, he's still trying to get me the, to invest in, bit, <laughs> in Bitcoin. Hey, it's gone up. It's gone up, folks. It's popping. It might be. It or might a, be a zero. At least it was in January <laughs> when we are recording now. Uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, it's yeah. still popping in in, in May or uh, May June. Yeah. Uh, when when this May ish. When May-ish. this May come out. Yeah, when this may come out. So, um, welcome everybody. Thanks for listening. We're talking about a band that I did not know about until Jay brought it to my attention. Still Corners. Yeah. Out of uh, London, the UK. Yeah, um, a little geography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they are a musical duo. Um, Greg Hughes is the man, the multi-instrumentalist producer guy behind most of the music. And Tessa Murray on vocals. And it's just mm-hmm. the two of them. Um, their music sounds like it's a full band often, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, the, all of the albums are music is completely created by Greg Hughes. Um, yeah, he's playing all the instruments. Plays all the instruments. He said he can do them all. Yeah, in a in a simple manner, he could do a little you know a little bit of everything on on each instrument. Yeah, which is you know a good sign of a well rounded musician. Yeah, self taught as well. Mm-hmm. Self taught musician. Um, came in kind of late in the game too he wasn't a big it wasn't a big musical family um all through his no, yeah. younger days right he kind of started yeah maybe in his 20s yeah it doesn't sound like it like it says the vibe i got says he was obsessed by bands when he was younger um he used to steal a lot of um records that his sister had or something like that right and uh was listening to a lot of stuff then yeah um, so definitely into music listening to music but not particularly making it yeah no, not doing childhood talent shows and stuff like that. That's the yeah. He wasn't in bands. He was asked if he was in bands. They were both asked if they played in bands when they were younger, and right. Both of them said no. Yeah, <laughs> so but Tessa was. Yeah. She was in a. She was in choir, high school choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have some nice. background with music and everything, and obviously yeah. they loved it. Yeah, um, I think uh, Tessa probably had more of a musical um, uh, household. It sounds like like mm-hmm. her dad was more into a, a lot of different stuff. Right. And she was around that growing up. But um but yeah, still corners and um generally very cool. So I mean little yeah. vibe check. Yeah. It's atmospheric, it's ethereal. Yeah. Um Tessa's vocals kinda you no know, lovely, soft, mm-hmm. breathy, sitting yeah. floating over the mix. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, kind of slow to mid tempo stuff, but also kind of a, a kind of a driving beat within there. Yeah. So it's it's driving. Yeah. It's cool. It's kind of nighttime music. Yeah. Late afternoon. Yeah. It's pretty vibey. It's pretty, you know, like I said, ethereal. Yeah. Um, c- can call it new wave, dream pop. Yeah. Some of it's a little electronica. Yeah. I think there was, a, what was the other term? New, uh, you know, N-U, new gaze. New gaze. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. That, where, that first track that we just played, The Trip, was their big sort of song that I think caught a lot of people's attention. Mm-hmm. And that's the first one I heard through Spotify random discovery, I think. No. Um, it's a good one. Apparently there was a video upload of that that just went crazy. I checked it. It has 57 million views. <laughs> it's pretty good. And um, It's pretty good. And they were saying the comment section on that is, is something 
that's really interesting to dive into as well. It's very, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. It's like, if you go on there, um, there are a bunch of people like sharing personal stories. There was like one guy talking about how he like, he was like uh, recounting his experience of doing psychedelics for the first time. It's like, it became like a confessional, like this YouTube comment yeah, section. People laying their lives down on the line. like Yeah, all inspired by this song, which is, I mean, hey, like if there is no um, example better of how music can affect people and, you know, be emotive, it's that one, that song that we opened with, The Trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel it just by hearing it. I'm like, yes, it takes me somewhere. Yeah, and, uh, I totally. feel something very powerful within it. Just, yeah. And I can see how people just reacted to that. And yeah, so the YouTube comment section um, on that video is is a very interesting read. <laughs> Millions of people. Definitely check um, that out. I mean, people are vibing with this. Yeah, yeah. With this group, with these people, with this yeah. music. Yeah. Uh, that's a good sign when you can, when you feel... A little yeah. bit of humility and 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 willing to be open yeah when when talking about music if it makes you yeah. feel like opening up yeah you know yeah. it's it's digging something out of you and that's cool exactly yeah that's yeah. great yeah. so these guys are that's super cool. awesome i mean yeah. i hadn't heard about these until you brought them to the table yeah they're super cool oh this I is d- a fun fact as well this is the 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 accident of how we talked about actress a few episodes ago that's right is because i was thinking about this group and i was like oh yeah they're called actress and i just sent i sent the name actress to jesse blindly thinking it was this group and then i sat down to do my research and i was like oh no oh, i couldn't have been not, so much wrong it's <laughs> not who jay was talking about uh, but we still did it anyway and it was an interesting that was very interesting actually, um, a bit yeah. of research and uh, hopefully it was an interesting podcast too i think it was a, it was a cool one i, I like learning about him yeah uh rewind that people that was a very interesting episode uh darren cunningham i think is his yeah. real name started as a, a footballer yeah. turned musician he was a professional yeah soccer player football so, player. cool yeah, story um yeah happy accident we could say yeah so this is the group i was thinking about i don't know how i got actress maybe uh, i don't know they seem like they could be called actress and it would still work i, I think it would be that. yeah vibes totally um but they're called still corners and um yeah like i said it is a duo out of the uk originally tez and murray on vocals greg hughes doing the music and uh there's an interesting story about how they met um, it was com- that is a good story completely by accident um Tez and murray uh was on a train in london and uh, as was chris hughes uh, yeah greg hughes greg hughes <laughs> my, oh, my bad <laughs> and uh and this train got diverted and ended up at the completely wrong station in like south of london somewhere i couldn't find what happened with the train they it's- yeah diverted and they wouldn't tell the guests the the writers like hey we're gonna end up somewhere else guys by the way yeah exactly yeah so who knows they may have been a jumper Mm. right i don't know that's a good movie yeah this is a whole movie thing yeah it's like sliding doors yeah yeah um uh yeah so they uh but they they both ended up at this yeah random train station and then uh, as far as i saw they both kind of got off at this yeah. station and they were kind of putting the pieces together like this is not where i'm meant to be yeah, yeah tessa was on her way to choir practice right right yeah and then i'm not sure where greg was going yeah i don't know where he was going but, who knows um, nobody knows not even know, maybe not even him maybe he doesn't even know yeah where he's going. maybe yeah <laughs> anyway but yeah so they get off the train yeah. and they're in this this station and i think yeah. it was just the two of them 
Yeah. As far as there wasn't like a, a big crowd or something. It was kind of yeah. like just the two of them. They got yeah. off at the wrong spot, diverted whatever the story was, and they kind of yeah. saw each other. Yeah, she said she saw this guy that like looked as pissed off as she was about like what's, what the hell's going on. A little on confused sort of maybe. Yeah, and then they ended up talking. I think she ended up telling him that uh, she was on her way to a choir practice. And then he was like, oh, well, I make music and you sing. Right. Like, I'm looking for a singer. Happy <laughs> accident. Happy accident. One thing's leads to another. They share contact details. They ended up uh, getting together, doing a few studio sessions, mm -hmm. uh, doing some stuff on some of the tracks that he put together. So he already had this idea for the project without without even the name, right? He, he but he would start. He was starting to work on this project. Yeah, I don't think it was called Still Corners at this time. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was or not. Um, but but I think like aesthetically, sonically he knew what he wanted to achieve and what he was trying to do. And I think the missing component for him was a vocalist because mm -hmm. he's, he can do many things, but he said he can't sing very well. Right. He, he can come up with melodies, which is what he does do. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, he needed that missing thing. And then, yeah, it's crazy. Just a chance encounter meeting, you know, destiny, and, uh, you could say destiny. Yeah. Cause he had been, um, what do you call it? Auditioning other artists mm. to be his vocalist for this project that he was working on right i don't know about that actually i didn't find out oh about. i think he was really? yeah well, okay. i think he'd already been auditioning yeah. people and kind yeah. of searching for a vocalist yeah and so this kind of this weird train situation happened and yeah yeah set them on the rails yeah. to the correct destination which mm. is still corners <laughs> and this was in london and tessa is british uh from an area called tunbridge wells originally but greg is actually from america originally um he's from arizona and texas yeah and uh the reason he ended up in london is because he fell in love with a british lady and decided to relocate mm. his entire life to the other side of the world um that ended up not working out but he uh you know I, that also wasn't the only reason i think he was drawn to the UK and London for music as well. Mm -hmm. Similar to Sean Lee, who we talked about in another episode, who's also an American who relocated to England and based in based himself in London. Right. Um, he said because of he thought the music he was creating was like people in London were doing fit more with, right with what he was doing. Um, Greg, I guess, was kind of in, in a similar way. It's like maybe he's chasing that romantic vision of being in a different place i mean shit um I'm a, <laughs> yeah i'm a living walking example of a reverse you know i came exactly here to from the uk from the uk to seattle and now i'm doing music over here as well so you know it's I, I didn't come for the music though i didn't actually it took me a long time to actually get music going right. over it took me oh i didn't do any music for seven years after coming over here i didn't play drums for seven years you came over here for business I came, well, oh, this is a crazy long story. I came here to uh, direct a short film. Oh, oh, that's right, for film. Yeah. Um, met some people over here, actresses and filmmakers. Made a film. Met a girl. Ended up staying here, you know. That's kind of the, the story, right? Long story short. <laughs> the little abridged version. Abridged version. I'm sure, we could talk about that. That's a the podcast on its own. Exactly, yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, I, I, I ident identify 
with um, that whole kind of, you know, relocating, changing environments, doing different things. Um, yeah, it's generally growth or you want to experience yeah. something else and it's a good opportunity. There's a whole big wide world of stuff to explore. Yeah. Why stay in your own town? That's also fine. Yeah. I'm not saying either one. I'm just saying it's all up for the grab. Yeah. I don't even, uh, yeah. It's interesting you hear people talk about relocating for music though because of music scenes and and uh, and stuff like that. I don't really know of anywhere in the world musically where I'd want to be. I know there's like a lot of cool stuff happening in London. There always has. But even when I was there, I, it just evaded me. Like I couldn't find it. Like I couldn't find the people mm -hmm. to collaborate with. Um, just, I just, I guess that's like fate and uh, life, right? You know, you, it moves you in certain directions. And, you know, if I had found that, I wouldn't be here now doing exactly. signal so you never know. would have met jay purcell yeah you go. signal <laughs> radio might have never been created if things had been different it would have been something else somewhere else but um but here we are yeah that's life and uh yeah very interesting story for them that is cool Meeting that is a cool story and his you know his um trajectory as well i heard him speak as well in an interview and he has i thought he was like scottish or irish something. a little bit of an accent he likes this happens to some Americans, a little bit of a Sean Lee as well, where he's like, accent's right. a bit fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of hear him, is like, like Sean Lee, a little bit of a Southern Midwestern accent, yeah, switched but to a little got, bit of the like, UK. British kind of, uh, yeah, it's like, I haven't done that yet. I haven't turned American, I don't think. Yeah. I'm is like, that a I, choice for people? Um, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak American now that I'm in America, or is that a... It is for some people. For me, uh, here's what happened to me: is I came over here and no one could understand the fucking word I was saying because uh -huh. I had a really strong British Cockney like London accent, sort right? Of thing. So like, um, yeah, no, like, uh, you know, I was. Here's here's a good example. So, um, water, right? Water, you know, drinking water. water. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know, I used to say it water. That's how I used to naturally say it. I used it's to not say, even the T. Yeah, I used to just say water. And Americans say water with a D, right? And um, Well, water. Yeah, so I had a choice over here. I, I either try and sound American and say water, or I just pronounce, start pronouncing my T's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I chose to pronounce my T's. I so, think it's um, funny how you say Americans say water. What, with a D. And, and yeah. it's like still, I mean, it's that hard R, you know. Give me a drink of water. Water. See, there's still a D in there. <laughs> no, it's a D, but you got to yeah. have the R, not water. Oh, yes, the R, R the rolling R's. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I instead of sound, instead of like making my words sound American, I just started to start pronouncing my words more clearly. Sometimes I mess up. I've seen clips of this show where I'm like, "What the fuck is he saying?" I can't understand. <laughs> barn barn but that yeah. happened in episode one you know whatever i was but. a little confused for a second but then it makes so much sense and then i feel like the dumb one for not uh realizing yeah. it but you know it goes to show the way we our brains interpret uh different sounds and language yeah so it's kind of cool yeah just is what it is yeah people talking different yeah so greg hughes like he sounded he didn't sound american to me he sounded like you know there are some like people from scotland like that like Scotland that have a very 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 faint Scottish accent and it kind of sounds I don't know it's like I don't know if 
Sean Connery's not a good example because he's, but maybe a little bit. He sounded, he sounds kind of American sometimes, right? Sean Connery, the way he speaks. You, would you say he's Scottish? Just hearing him speak, like I don't know. Hmm. <clears throat> like especially in the, old, in the old James Bond movies, like you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know the yeah. actor well enough to to say yeah. on air. Right. Any thoughts on that? I'm sorry. What about uh, um, just because I don't want to be completely wrong? Or, or what about or Piers lie. Brosnan? He's Irish, but does he? What does he sound like to you when he speaks? Hmm. I have not seen him on TV for uh, a while, so I mean, I'm sorry, I'm dropping the ball. I don't have any good uh, retorts for you. Well, I guess never mind. <laughs> Forget it. We shouldn't be talking about this anyway. We're digressing. We're not talking about accents, although yeah. we are, and we're talking with accents. So. But anyway, so still corners. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as I saw, Greg Hughes released the first Still Corners album mm-hmm. before Tessa joined in 2007. So this is incorrect information. I, I was <laughs> under the same information as well because, um, because on Spotify, it lists Remember Pepper which is their very first album, is coming out in 2007. And their same bio on Spotify says that they met in 2009. So there's a, there's a thing there that's really? not, not correct because she's definitely on Remember Pepper. And it really? Def- and it definitely came out in 2007. Oh, well, I was reading somewhere where, yeah, it said that he released it before she joined. So really? Sure. Did he? I'm maybe, confused now, maybe but I'm, I'm, maybe I'm wrong now. No, I'm, I'm sure you're right. You brought this band to the table and um, you have the authority. You were the authority figure uh, for this particular episode. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Either way. We'll I assume thought, they I thought she was on it. Because, I'm going with you. I'm sure she was. <laughs> that was my first impression. I know. looked into it. I probably read something that was wrong. Right to us but, at Roots to Grooves. Signalradio.com, S-I-G-N-L radio.com, if you know. That's what it's for. Whether she was on Remember Pepper or not. Let us know. Oh, we don't talk about our research before we hit record. Yeah, we just catch each other off guard and we're like, what? Yeah. Where did you find that? Who, what, when, where, how? Exactly. That's, uh, the, magic that's the magic of Roots to Grooves. Yeah. You know, we do our separate research and then we come together and have an awesome conversation because we're here to learn and explore yeah. with everybody listening. Exactly, yeah. So, um, well, so either way, though, it, whether she was on that or not, I do know that he self-released it. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he uh, made 500 copies and he gave 200 of them away. Um, he was selling them for five pounds. Were those vinyl? I think so, yeah. I think all of their albums are available on vinyl. They are, yeah. So, um, yeah, so they did a run run of that. Um, He only has two copies in itself left of that. And, uh, yeah, the interview I saw from nine years ago, you know, they made it sound super rare and Mm -hmm. collector's item. But at some point, they made the wise decision to upload it to Spotify. So now it's available for all to hear um, if you go back listen to that and it's uh it's cool i I haven't listened to all of it because i just discovered it i just realized it's on there Mm -hmm. but um, it was technically an extended play ep yeah yeah as i understand am i right on that or am i also wrong on that Uh, i think it was an ep i'm pretty sure yeah i think you're right um (laughs) yes you're right it says ep right in front of me right now okay at least the debut ep on the okay here you go on 13th of june 2008 cool Followed by a seven-inch single, Don't Fall in Love, released by UK label The Great Pop Supplement 
on the 30th of August 2010. So there you go. There's some official information that was staring me right in the face this entire time. Hey, right there. a lot of stuff going on. But that's not the, the record label that they stayed with, right? I think that was the last release they were on that uh, label that you just mentioned. Yeah, so he self-released the EP and then mm-hmm. I guess put this uh, that single out on a different label. Um, they eventually signed to Sub Pop right or the i think first official debut album yeah, yeah after, which is after releasing a bunch of singles they caught the attention of sub pop which is a seattle label everyone yeah um, american and local to us here in seattle yeah and uh yeah they uh they put out um the first couple of albums i think mm-hmm. um, but um not but he, not to, I, I mean one of the things i want to throw out to yeah um, to everybody listening, that is, um, these guys kind of retain uh, the DIY mm-hmm. atmosphere, um, and they they kind of head that on. And we can talk about it later. But they kind of they stayed on Sub Pop for publishing, yeah. Um, yeah. But they kind of also self released some stuff, yeah. You know, kind of um, in conjuncture with some of the stuff Sub Pop can bring to the table, but leaving yeah. some of the release. Like, yeah, like coming up with artwork or some of the other ideas, um, up to the band still corners. Yeah. So what happened? Is, great uh, Tessa. Yeah, I think the first two albums were on Sub Pop's label, and then it was at that point I think the streaming started to go a bit nuts. Mm-hmm. Probably inspired by that track, the trip, um, and I think uh, still corners realized that um, they could have more control over what they were doing at that point with their newfound sort of success there by releasing themselves um they just said stuff like yeah being a they they said they kind of enjoy it like um sourcing vinyl manufacturers and putting yeah together the release kind of getting down and dirty with it we're yeah. who's gonna do the artwork we have the control over it yeah and i mean i i understand that That's, it's kind of fun part of the process yeah. of creating anything of being hands-on yeah you feel yourself making the decisions yeah. you, you it manifests into reality yeah. and it's super fulfilling yeah for sure like um um, but yeah, then, so the publishing portion of it is still with Sub Pop and publishing, if people don't know out there is, um, is really to do with like the licensing of the music itself. So mm-hmm. like, uh, so if you wanted to release a compilation album and have a Still Corners track on it, you would license it from the publisher. Um, if you wanted to put it in a movie or a TV commercial, right. you would go to the publisher and then the publisher is in charge of collecting the royalties negotiating the fees of you know if a movie if a big netflix movie wants to use it they would negotiate a bigger fee than they would if it was like an indie filmmaker that doesn't have any money or whatever just you know. some random guy making movies in his apartment uh, yeah and so the publishing thing as a whole is not is you know it's a very interesting world and you know it, it is the type of thing that is a lot of boring administration work and, and contracts pushing and papers like bureaucracy yeah bureaucracy so yeah having someone in charge of that is probably you know it, not a bad thing they they just still take the 15 percent cut or whatever it is mm-hmm. and that's it right but, but yeah. it seems like they like to they retained a lot of the creative um idea making decisions yeah and left a lot of that kind of more structured busy work yeah um up to sub pop so it's a yeah, kind of yeah. best of both worlds kind of situation and i think that's cool yeah so yeah so i mean remember pepper cool stuff good yeah. album the name was interesting. Like people, they were asked, like how they got the name. Was it was from a movie? Yeah, um, I'm trying to find it here. It had uh, 
uh, can't remember the name of the actress that was in it. I didn't recognize any of the actresses uh, or actors. I don't really, I don't know anything about that movie. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I saw the movie either. But it was. Um, it wasn't the name of the movie. There was just like a character. Like, oh no, it was like a dog that was in the movie called Pepper. Yeah. And and then some just, line of some actress was like, right. um, remember Pepper? And uh, yeah, just a quote from one of the, I think the yeah. mom in the movie or something like that. Yeah. And he just, it struck Greg as kind of uh, yeah. intriguing, kind of interesting, kind of funny. Yeah. Um, whatever he retained it and yeah. I thought it was an interesting line. And yeah, I think he does that a lot. Um, that's like where the name Still Corners came from as well. It was a, a pat just a line in a poem that he was reading. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, on the subject of movies, it seems like both of them are kind of into yeah. uh, movies and, you know, directors yeah. and just interesting yeah. visuals and, and movie making in general. So they kind of appreciate movies and, yeah. you know, they're, they're known to binge watch stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I, I guess real quick. So it's like, a, you know, a man and a woman roughly yeah. the same age yeah. in some interviews. I saw that they're not together romantically. Yeah. Is that true? it's that's they said it yeah i they, saw them say that as well but then i saw some interviews saying that they were both binge watching the same show yeah and and they I, live together and they that, they've moved several times so they were together in, they were in london um and then they moved to austin for a little bit uh-huh and now they currently live in woodstock right in new york T together it sounds like that's what i gathered as well so if I'm the puzzle pieces I put together in my head, yeah. I'm understanding what they said <laughs> publicly. They were asked the direct question: Are you a romantic couple, or are you just a musical duo? And they said just a musical duo. Mm -hmm. But it's I a little sus, Jay. It's a little sus. It is very sus. I'm. I mean, I'm not judging. People can do whatever they like. Yeah, it's good to keep your your but if personal you, life like, separate than your public life. That's fine. Yeah, but if you're moving across the other side of the country to several different cities and you're binge-watching shows together... That's what I'm saying. This is the binge-watching shows. like a couple. You, you don't no. just binge-watch shows. <laughs> like, binge-watching a show is kind of a personal thing. So if you're doing that with somebody else... Yeah. Like, I don't watch... I don't binge-watch shows with anybody. <laughs> not just anybody. Like, you don't just do that, hey, like, buddy, like, platonic male friend... <laughs> Do you want to come over and watch nine episodes all day and just lay in bed together and watch it <laughs> platonically? That doesn't happen. So No one said anything about them laying in bed together. I put that into the story. Sure. Maybe they're on separate couches. Fine. Anyway, like I, it seems, you know, I just got the, yeah. the vibes in my brain. I know what you mean, yeah. Sus. It's sus. It's sus. So we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Publicly, way. they're not together. I'm going to say they are because... They like the way they talk about each other and what they're into, and you know. Well, actually, I had, I forgot to say this. I saw them play. You've seen them live? Yeah, um, at Barboza, which is oh, a awesome. tiny venue. We've played there underneath Numos. Underneath Numos, which is also a cool venue. But Barboza is a it's a cool kind of yeah if venue not, that's underneath another venue. Yeah, for people that aren't in Seattle, um, there's a venue called Numos, which is. It's not big at all. It's but it's a fairly good size. I know people like Jack White has played there. Some I think pretty big acts play yeah, there though. And yeah. me Tricky has played there. You like, and I have both played there as well in we've Both played there as well. Which yeah, is and then, cool. And then downstairs they have this like basement kind of venue, which is cool. It looks like a little um 
it's not really cabaret, but it's like it looks like a CD. It's kind of speakeasy uh, vibe. Speakeasy vibe, yeah. Um, super small venue, yeah. And I saw them play there, and the reason I went is because I had discovered them on Spotify, and uh, and you know I don't do this very often, but I was just like looking through the music listings because I lived in the neighborhood, Capitol Hill, where mm-hmm. this venue was, and I was like, okay, what's up? And I saw them. We're going to play. And the tickets were only like 20 bucks or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going. So, uh, yeah, I went there and um, they're both super friendly. I think it was just three of them. Um, it was both of them and a drummer um, uh, playing live. She was super friendly. She was like walking around, talking to everyone. They seem like nice, chill, yeah. down to earth people. Tessa yeah. live, it looks like I watched some of their live stuff. She plays keys. Mm. yeah I think so, keys yeah. um you know synth whatever you want to call it different sounds and she's yeah. a couple pedals for vocals yeah yeah and then greg is on guitar yeah and like straight up lead guitar and rhythm guitar kind yeah. of doing both of those backing track laptop stuff right bit, i think and yeah. so they kind of have like, yeah. yeah some maybe a bass or some extra synth yeah. pretty sounds yeah um playing along with them and he's triggering those and then they have a live drummer yeah yeah um you know the name of the live drummer so we can shout him out mm. he's he looked pretty cool but i don't have it off the top I don't have it off the top either. That's um, fine. Look it up, everybody. You got the internet right in front of you. Yeah. No yeah, excuses. He, he's, uh, uh, they might have, I'm not sure if they've gone through a different pe- few people, but they have their drummer and sound engineer, they said is based in Austin. Mm. And so that's where they sort of come out from. And whenever they're, now that when they're ready to rehearse and now they live in Woodstock and that, they'll fly, fly them up and do some rehearsals and then, and then go around. Yeah, they've done. They don't live with him though. They don't all binge watch together. All three. They don't live together, but they binge watch shows in bed together. Yeah, together. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know this. Sus. So, disclaimer. Somewhere. <laughs> um, sus. Yeah. Like that. Leave That's it good. at that. We need a button that just says sus. We should get some buttons anytime in here. we have some suspicious information <clears throat> on Roots to Grooves. Uh, I um, was going to bring a bell for, uh, yeah. for for something to like for when you want a new like, drink and the butler off camera we should get a butler jay yeah that's one thing our podcast is missing but we'll talk about that off air you know poc- no podcast has a butler that could be our gimmick that, that could be, be our thing. thing we can start that can start it, yeah. next yeah. level i like it yeah so well before we move on remember pepper just one thing i wanted to say about this is uh they said it was heavily influenced by nouvelle vague cinema and anino morricone soundtracks Oh, that's a, he's a director, yes? You know, he's a soundtrack composer. Oh. Just a composer. A director of music is what I mean. You got it right, yeah. Um, (laughs) He did all the spaghetti westerns and he's he's constantly cited as an inspiration. Tori Moir mentioned a lot of Ennio Morricone soundtracks as well and his inspirations. Um, So, uh, yeah, no, it's just interesting. Um, Yeah, they're, they're, but they're basically wrap it all up they're into music and they're into you know directors or i mean sorry i meant movies yeah and directors and uh you know kind of cinema in general and day trippers was the name of the movie cool they got got that name from uh i don't think there was anything particularly interesting about that movie i saw something about that though yeah so i don't know check it out day tripper i don't know it's a Beatles song that's all i know (laughs) uh but yeah Yeah. uh, i'll throw in a quick little few people that these are influenced by to give the listeners a little bit of a better idea maybe you know some of these maybe you don't yeah a couple i know a couple i don't chet yeah. baker yeah jazz okay cool roxy music yeah yeah that's kind of uh brian ferry 
I think is the singer in Roxy okay. Music. They're, I didn't recognize that, but cool. Good. Yeah. And then uh, Nick Drake, who I do recognize, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of folky, yeah, Americana artist. Yeah, he's and good. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Um, and and that brings me back to like my childhood. I think my parents would listen to Joni Mitchell, kind of singer songwriter. Yeah. Acoustic. Yeah. Americana music. Yeah, yeah. So cool stuff there. So just a little break in there. Uh, some influences. Also, another influence on Greg, he was asked about how he learned music production. And he said he listened to a lot of Steve Albini records. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Albini is like a music producer, engineer, works with a ton of artists like Nirvana, PJ Harvey, so many more. He's pretty, if you are into sound engineering and producing, you will know about him. Or if you don't know about him, you should check him out interesting guy one thing he said about steve albini said about um his opinion on music producers um he he says that like it can often destroy records if producers are put in charge of sessions um while the role of recording engineer is to solve problems in capturing the sound of the musicians and not to threaten the artist's control over their product Mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of his outlook when he was producing he was taking more of a kind of an engineering pr- approach to producing like um focusing more on the sound and right. the musicality rather than interfering with like the composition or the performance i think or something like that mm-hmm. no, but yeah. yeah reminds me of you know beatles george martin yeah the fifth yeah, beetle yeah, yeah. you yeah, know they helping them achieve these ideas yeah. from imagination and, and manifest them through instruments and yeah. in or reality rick rubin yeah rubin another rubin. good one just He's bringing up Chili Peppers, but yeah. I mean, he did way more than Chili Peppers, but Rick Rubin, as producer with Chili Peppers, has a certain role in, totally. in that production. Um, you know. Rick Rubin has been on my mind because he just released, or he just worked with and produced The Strokes' last record. Oh, he did. Which yeah. is a cool, uh, maybe mix-match yeah. of, of uh, artistry and production. And we have to, I have to check out, I think Rick Rubin has a podcast. And Does he? I would be interested because yeah. he seems like a super cool, intelligent, vibey, cool yeah. guy. I've heard some interesting things from Kenny. Shout out Kenny Carpenter um, of Behind the Scenes Signal fame. <laughs> and I many mean, other things. About but, uh, to be on the scene. About to be on the scene. Got it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, I'm not even going to shout it out. Maybe you want to shout it out, but we got a little work in the progress. Yeah. Work in progress. It about to come re- out. It may have this already year. come out um studio tours don't even know if it's out yet Uh, i don't even know (laughs) it's in the future i'm hoping it is like oh no that's right yeah we're in the future right now we're in the future right now Uh, studio tours check them out on our youtube channel we're we're going around seattle and we're filming engineers and music producers in their studio in their own habitat environment they're showing us their gear they're showing us their process i'm pumped to see this i'm playing us some of their music uh, directed, produced, edited by Kenny Carpenter. Yeah, who also He's a killer. Who also told me about the Rick Rubin podcast, which nice. I need to check out. So yeah, um, yeah, he talked very very highly. It's like is uh, talking a lot about sort of behind the scenes music thought and approaches, which is kind of in our wheelhouse. Is what we're mm-hmm. talking about here. So yeah, we got to check that out. I definitely yeah. want to check that out. No, yeah. I'm a fan of 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 the Rube. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know if anybody else calls him that. I call him the, the Rube. Rube. 
<laughs> the, the Rubik's cube. Dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of he's got a Rubik's cube of of a mind. Uh, yeah. Um, he's able to cool, do some cool stuff with uh, cool artists. Yeah, but, but you know, but yeah, Steve Albini is another mm-hmm. interesting guy. Um, if you ever watch, he's he gets interviewed a lot as well in like sort of documentaries about music production and stuff like that. Um, and um, yeah, so Greg from Still Corners. Uh, when he was learning about producing music, it was very much influenced by this guy's approach um, to doing things. Um, but he still says, Greg from Still Corner still says that um, he even gets to a point where he tries to unlearn what he learned to make things sound a little bit more mm-hmm. trashy, he said in his own words. You got you to know what the rules are in order to yeah, break them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a kind of just kind of wanted to say those things about that first release and it's it's uh it's a cool release do we want to spin something from it quickly or um do yeah. we want to move on to no i think we should spin something real quick okay um i'm gonna pull it up do you want to say something interesting to the folks yeah 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 home? well kind of a, a back to the diy spirit because i have notes of him listening to steve albini records yeah and um yeah so i mean um greg hughes would be calling up studios you know, like how much is this going to cost? Yeah. How long is it going to take? Yeah. Can I get this work done? Yeah. And you know, he was just like calling around, and he was like, "This yeah. is not going to happen. It's too much. It's too much money. Too expensive for right? what I'm going to get out of the project. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it myself." Mm-hmm. And it's super cool, taking that DIY spirit, and you know, he does a lot of the engineering and production of Still Corners music. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I just. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's that's dope taking it on your own because yeah. that's a lot of work to be able to come up with ideas of music, yeah, and then getting the engineering correct to get those sounds that you want. Yeah, well, he's um, like not really much. Well, I guess he's kind of a control freak, Greg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I think he doesn't always want to work with a producer or yeah, or why he wants to retain some of the creative yeah um scope like he doesn't really involve anyone else in the musical process right um apart i think i think it's gotten a little bit different and you know because they've been around for a long time now since 2007 so Mm -hmm. they're progressing and changing a little bit i think he's like even tessa is like a little bit more involved in the writing process than she was originally Mm -hmm. um a few other musicians crop up here and there sometimes um but um and even in some earlier interviews he said like the mixing part of it like actually mixing the albums was something that he couldn't really give up but he said he was open to finding someone i don't know um yeah it's cool he's open to the idea i don't know if that ended up happening or not um yet i haven't looked into yeah how these albums were mixed kind of thing but um yeah, that's some that's some detailed stuff. Hopefully, maybe we can get into it on another podcast or something. But yeah. just overall, he's taking it all on himself, writing a lot of this music yeah. and doing a lot of the production and engineering. And yeah. yeah, from what I was reading, he does a lot of the engineering and production, like come up with a guitar part, record it. Yeah. And the production and engineering kind of is all wrapped into one, kind of mixing it as they go, yeah. creating these sounds producing them how they want yeah. kind of as they're writing and it's all kind of happening in a slurry yeah as as these as these songs get written and yeah. they keep working on them and um they, they they'll go back and do it again do a different vocal yeah do a different drum yeah do a different guitar um until they get what they want yeah and so they're really driven and i, I just know how much that work 
how much work goes into to getting to that point yeah it's a huge step to kind of get through a whole recording session and then say eh, it's almost there but it's not quite there let's redo everything let's let's talk more about about the music production side of it and this because I, I think i have a lot of things to say about this okay. from what i found out but let's have okay. a little bit of a musical break here okay <laughs> hit me <laughs> um i'm gonna play randomly the second track from remember pepper it's called parallels by still corners from 2007 sounding yeah didn't there's not like a lot of bass like the you know the kick drum or bass isn't really coming through that it seems kind of like a flat sort of sounding uh vintage thing out of the 60s yeah those very those cinematic organs yeah it's like a hammond or what is that i don't know yeah yeah so but like kind of halloweeny kind of yeah, spooky yeah. vibes yeah so um yeah um yeah so his it's crazy he's a he's a very good producer he can very accomplishedly create these soundscapes yeah you listen um, to that song and you listen to one of their other songs on a later album and it's yeah there's a there's somewhat of a stark difference you can hear yeah what he's able to accomplish on on different ends of a spectrum yeah and so like um the way he creates music right now as he says he uses ableton um to come up with quick ideas um which i can agree with i've used ableton it's a great tool for coming up with uh just quick scratch ideas of things and little loops and parts yeah and and like that. that's kind of what he does and as far i've never used ableton but it's kind yeah. of a more down and dirty kind of yeah daw i mean you can use it from beginning to end mm -hmm. um but uh he uses it more for the ideation stage of his creation process um because he says it's not very for him it's not very good when it comes to like wanting to track things out and uh, use different types of mics for like recording different types of instruments and vocal takes and stuff like that for that he wants to use more of like a pro tools yeah, he uses pro tools for that uh, to more like mm -hmm. sort of track it out and, right um you know and yeah I, I can see that i've sort of i've i've bounced back and forth between logic and ableton for different purposes kind of thing um but Ableton, yeah, is a great tool for if you just really just want to bust out a bunch of ideas real quickly. It's really easy and quick to do once you learn the software to do that. Nice. And you uh, know more than I. Yeah, and I'm a, um, I'm a Pro well, Tools guy. Yeah, I've been using Pro Tools for like ten years, and then this. Oh wow! I've last... never used Pro Tools. It used to be super expensive. It used to be like fifteen grand to have Pro Tools. Or something. <laughs> I mean, it, for a while it was the. <laughs> Like it's top. It, it was, was like, the industry standard. Yeah, for, DAW. for all computer recording, it was Pro Tools. Yeah, and um, I think maybe that's gone. That idea has gone by the wayside a little bit since other DAWs have been stepping up. Yeah, as I far feel, as I've seen. Uh, yeah, like now I feel like Pro Tools is still the top for like I know like people like Free Fighters who we mentioned a lot um and chili peppers still like to try and use the old school reel to reel tape machines when they can kind of thing right. but if they're not using that they're using pro tools um and uh yeah a lot of electronic artists use it as well but um but uh yeah but like uh i think um logic is not it used to be used more it used to be the second peg down from pro tools mm -hmm. um well that i was gonna say that's what yeah. i 
used yeah. uh in 2020 yeah i i got logic and uh been messing with that and it's pretty great yeah i don't know where it stands in the in the hierarchy of what's good and what's what's standard these days i think they missed well because apple messed around with it a little bit like we're getting into some technical talk here people but like they, this, apple did the same thing with final cut pro if you're a video editor out there i use final cut this year as also yeah like when final cut pro used to be really good and then apple messed with it and they made it more like more like uh, iMovie and a bunch of people were pissed off with it and they kind of did the same thing with Logic a little bit where they sort of dumbed it down and made it more like GarageBand. Mm. Um, which Logic kinda... does feel pretty dumbed down. It feels yeah. it's Once you kind of know where all the buttons are for doing your basic stuff, yeah. it's pretty, uh, uh, what's the word, intuitive? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty intuitive. I mean, that's all I can say and it's, it's pretty nice. It's pretty, the, the yeah. workflow is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think if you're creating music, it doesn't really matter what tool you use, mm -hmm. um, as long as it enables you to really just put together those ideas that you have in your head, or if you don't have ideas in your head already, like something that you can work with easily to, you know, um, create tracks and stuff like that. But that's you the know. best I've, advice yeah. that I've ever heard is just yeah. pick one and then learn it. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't matter. All that matters is what the sounds you're creating. The All these creating. DAWs, whatever it is, whoever's using it, whatever yeah. your name is, you're just making speakers vibrate. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The, the However you get to that point, yeah, do it. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, I guess the other thing to say about um, Greg from Still Corner's approach to that as well is he, he says he tries to not use more than 20 channels or tracks or, or layers of things yeah i saw that that's interesting uh, he'll use yeah. maybe six or seven tracks for the drums yeah yeah and then the rest are maybe a couple keyboards yeah. synth yeah yeah several for vocals a few yeah. for guitar yeah one or two for bass maybe yeah and then uh that's pretty good and that's yeah a pretty small amount of tracks yeah for a uh you know a full track for a whole record yeah yeah. I, like uh albums like random access memories is mm. i think they those guys are saying like 250 tracks yeah that's insane for for one song for one good luck mixing that yeah here you go <laughs> get back to me in a week exactly yeah <laughs> well, two days you've got two days to mix that so i mean the sky's the limit on whatever whatever daw you're using basically yeah. but yeah that's, a, that's another thing yeah another approach is like um um yeah, again, it doesn't matter how many chats or channels you use. You know, as long as your computer doesn't crap out, I guess. Like <laughs> that's get the get a powerful computer and then do whatever you want. Because I couldn't back in the day do more than about ten before my computer mm -hmm. crapped out. You know, that's not a good feeling when you're in the flow state and you're like feeling the creative juices. Yeah, yeah. I used to play like because I have all like all these tracks and then and then like different effects like reverb and this that and the other on things and then it will play back and it would be like. Rrr and you just have to press the space bar and wait for a second give the computer a second and then like press that's play the again. worst <laughs> that's the worst yeah. and it's seemingly I mean, simple I, like here's my guitar part i'm just gonna add a little reverb cool and then uh, uh, just, like, can't handle it yeah. i can't do it and, I, it, yeah. and it is i don't understand the the coding and the software and the, yeah. that kind of thing that goes into these creative software technologies yeah. Yeah. i don't know about that and I respect it, and I just don't understand it. But yeah. some in in my head, it, some of these things seem simple. Yeah. Don't know how they work. Like I said, 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, but it takes a lot of work for the computer. It's a, it is yeah. high intensity. Yeah, and it can, yeah, like you say, uh, interrupt the creative process as well. That's, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I think we're hopefully a little bit beyond those days. Computers are a little bit faster now. You can handle a few more tracks. But, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of his approach with Steel Corners when he's on, on the sort of technology end. And then on the com- composition end, he talked a lot about um, getting out of the way of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you saw that, where he's basically like, you know, sometimes he'll be in the studio. So he said he has a he has a work ethic when it comes to creating music. Like he'll start at 11 a.m. every day and he'll do it just every day, whether he's feeling it or not. He'll just go in and work on kind stuff. of as a job. I yeah, I saw yeah. Tessa. I mean, I think they both have day jobs. Uh, yeah, quote unquote. At, at least they did. I don't think they do now. I think the maybe that was a little mm, bit earlier mm, in their career. Yeah, I think but at least for the first albums, I got the vibe yeah. earlier in their career that they both had day jobs. Yeah, but um, Greg would be in the studio more. Yeah. And maybe this was a, you know, I don't know, I'm talking in different segments, but um, Greg would, like you said, go like a job nine to five. Yeah. I'm in the studio, whether I'm feeling the creative juices or not, mm-hmm. start pressing some buttons, start doing some chords and see what happens, try to make something. Yeah. And a lot of artists find that if you just try to do something, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Um, it, just getting started. And once you get started, you kind of, that's when the motivation kind of hits you and you kind of get in this. Yeah ball rolling snowball kind of thing and something yeah. starts to happen and you, you you're off from there yeah he calls it tinkering like he'll go in and just tinker with things and yeah mess around with things till you're to you lock in on something like ooh, that's yeah. kind of interesting that's kind of cool exactly yeah and then so you know and then once he has something he'll um you know he, he'll work through it and probably get on a good flow mm-hmm. with it but then sometimes there comes the point where he's just kind of like bashing his head against the wall. It's like, this isn't working kind of thing. And, um, you know, and he said, you know, that's when it's time to step away because he said that, um, you know, if a song's good, the song will happen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and so the best thing you can do at that point is to step away from it. Um, and there's various ways where they've done that. Like sometimes he'll just step away for a couple of days and come back to it sometimes two weeks right um there was an instance where they were they were i think wrote the majority of one of the albums and then they went on a short tour in the u.s they Mm -hmm. were still based in the uk at this point and they went to the u.s for a tour for a few weeks and then came back to what they had done and you know and it was completely refreshing for them they said because like the things that they thought needed more work realized it didn't need any more work mm-hmm. or or the thing you know or you can suddenly hear things with fresh ears and be like oh yeah i instantly know what's missing from that or what i need to add to this to finish it off and that is really like i feel that's the best approach for the majority of creative things not just music yeah but i think if you're writing like words screenplay story or whatever or editing video or whatever it is creatively you're working on the I think there comes a point when you work on something creatively where you spend a lot of time on that one thing and you can't really see it from any objective angle anymore because you're mm-hmm. inside of it, right? You're too close. Too close and see, too involved. Can't see the forest for the trees. Exactly, yeah. And so you do need to just be like 
put it away, forget about it, go do something else, go live your life, go bowling or play tennis. Apparently they play tennis with each other, apparently. That sounds fun, man. I'm always trying to find somebody to play tennis with. I'll play tennis with you. I haven't done that in a long time. I'll do that, yeah. I'll go pick... There's uh, open tennis courts around Seattle. We just need some rackets and some balls. I was about to say, I'll go hit up a Goodwill. <laughs> they always got some... There you go. Some... Yeah. some. I'll do that. Crappy rackets. That's some summer activities. <laughs> to, no, we're out there. We don't want no t- wet tennis balls. We don't want no wet tennis balls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play with your wet balls, Jesse. No. Oh, uh, I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, yeah. Just... <laughs> Stepping away, refreshing yourself. That's great. I think distracting yourself, doing something yeah. else, and then coming back to what you were working on, and then being like, "Oh yeah, now it's all obvious to me. Like that makes sense." It's it's yeah. all human psychology. It's another way of yeah. like cramming. Like you need to do a test yeah. tomorrow. You didn't have any time to study. You only have twelve hours to study. Yeah. Even in that short amount of time, it's like read something for an hour, go away from it, do something completely different, watch a TV show for half an hour, take a break, yeah. play some tennis, come back to yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and that change, that dynamic for your brain helps, yeah. helps you write these, you know, yeah. these, these neurons or whatever, these yeah. synapses and stuff, and it helps everything kind of wire together. So, yeah, I mean, a great kind of realistic, which is kind of a mental thing and a physical thing at the same time, yeah. which is, you know, the mind is the body, fine. Yeah. The um, mind is the body. Mm, right? Yes. Let's, let's, yes, just yes, pause. yes. let's just pause for a second. We've got to think about this one. Hmm. Can you, can you beer me whilst I think about this? D- uh, think about that for a second. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Roots to Grooves on Signal. Talking about still corners. Seattle, Washington, that is. Thank you. Um, we should get into some of these albums. Yeah, we should uh, do We that. only hit up s- that first EP so far. <laughs> I know. But 2011 Creature of an Hour was their first um, album. On Sub Pop. On Sub Pop. Sub Pop signed them after um, uh, like hearing a lot of their singles that they had come out with since their original EP. And yeah, it, it's still a gray area whether Tessa was on, on Remember Pepper, but she was definitely on those like singles that were coming out. Right. And they were doing show live shows, and they had this like a projection. Um, they were projecting like film stuff as they were playing live. And right. They had musicians with them, and I think that's like the sound of what they were doing, and that that performance captured the attention of Sub Pop, and that's how they got signed. I think mm-hmm. I don't know the two, the full details of who, where, what, why, and when of how that happened, but that ha- but long story short. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think that became that, um, one of their kind of signature things that at least for themselves personally is is having a, an awesome visual aspect to their shows. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of important to them um, in, for, for them to show their audience yeah. what they're what they're about. They're obviously kind of visual people. Yeah. They're binge watching stuff in the same bed and, and stuff like that. So <laughs> you're not going to let that go. They're, are you? <laughs> they're trying to bring this to their to their live show. This you know? Visual of them in bed, binge watching, watching just watching Breaking Bad or something. Bad eighties movies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or some yeah. Baby Boomer. They mentioned that. that as like a, a Diane Keaton eighties <laughs> movie. Or I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Great. I'm sure it's a great movie. <laughs> but um. So yeah, so I mean, creature of an hour was big, was called in 
indulgently seductive mm-hmm. by NME, yeah, uh, it's, music it's, magazine in the UK. Also, fun fact, the very first website I ever went to when I first accessed the internet, when I didn't know anything to look at, Uh-oh. I was like... <laughs> No, no, it was NME. I didn't know about porn on the internet. Come on. I, I didn't like, say anything. I was like 12 years old. I didn't uh, say anything. Um, this album's cool. It's dreamy. There's it's pretty textures, kind of eerie effects, but it's, a, it's an overall dreamy atmosphere. Mm. Um, this is what I'm picking up. It, there's senses of unease and yeah. um, eeriness. I don't know if they're getting this from some of their cinematic. I think they are getting a yeah, lot yeah. of some of their vibes for what they want to create from these movies that they're watching. For sure. Um, But like two standout tracks were Cuckoo and Endless Summer Mm. that I would throw out there. It's a, it's a good album. It's cool. Those are the two tracks that I would, that are my faves. Let's uh, play Cuckoo for a little bit of a musical interlude because I feel like we're not doing too many musical interludes these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's bring it back. Bring it back. People are trying to vibe. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Cuckoo by Still Corners. For Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> um, one thing, uh, well, a couple of things Greg said about that. Um, I don't know if he was talking about the album in general for this comment, but music, uh, the project in general, the Still Corners thing. He said, I'll never be satisfied with any of it. I need to keep trying new things. Uh, he said, Still Corners is the enterprise for me. So interesting, interesting, deep comment there. Um, yeah, I was having to think about that for a sec. And he, he also said about this album, um, Creature of an Hour, he said, musically, Creatures was soft and relaxing, but it was a massively cathartic record for me. I was destroyed after being in a relationship. It's all in there. Suicide, all of that stuff. I needed to calm my soul, and Creatures did that for me. Strange Pleasures, the next album in 2013, he says, is more of an adventure out toward the open seas. It's an exploring type of record. Strange new lands, strange new love. Nice. That's what he said about Strange Pleasures. So he's very... Um, Looks great. He's a very interesting guy because like, you, you can't find um, many interviews of them out there. In fact, like... Mm-hmm. The, the depth we're going into talking about them now is probably like the only <laughs> thing on YouTube about... Roots to Grooves is the authority on, um, on Still Corners now. Yeah, because they're very... Um, uh, uh, I don't want to say quiet or introspective. Obviously, Greg, like in those comments that I just read there, it's very deep and thoughtful kind of approach mm-hmm. and outlook. Um, but you can't really see them talking about this stuff. And it extends to their albums as well. Like, like they were asked, um, you know, why they don't appear in the artwork. Um, yeah, the I saw that. Covers for their things. And they said they're kind of shy. And, you know, and they said they don't really need people to look at them. You know, they'd bother people see a visual or something else kind of thing. Um, I think that's great. I think music goes a lot better with a piece of art. Yeah rather than somebody's face yeah because i think music as you know music lovers in this room and you know in this city and across the world people think music is powerful they know it's powerful yeah 
and it, I think music transcends individual, you know, personality or individuality. Like that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Like people like music because it, it it helps you ascend to some spiritual or next level somehow, whatever that means, or it makes you feel like that at least. Yeah. And I don't necessarily feel like that when i look at somebody's face yeah yeah you don't get anything from it (laughs) i mean you have a beautiful face jay what am i looking at Um, (laughs) but it's like i don't you know when you look at somebody's face you see like their personality or their their life or their what that means whatever i don't know it's different than if you look at a piece of you know art yeah that's you know more abstract yeah and you can't necessarily see why it's beautiful or you can't explain why it's beautiful or why it makes you feel any particular way. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I barely know what I mean. Like, I know what I mean, but I don't know if, I know what I'm, if, I, if I'm explaining it the right way. Well, yeah, no, because it's, it's the importance of, um, you know, in this day and age, it's probably always been this way, but even more so now, I think it's, um, you know, if you if you create music, you know, that's that's one portion of it unfortunately it should be the only portion but it's only one portion of it yeah is is how you sonically create and explore those ideas musically and sonically that you want to do the other portion of it is is how you're going to package it and how you're going to present it to people in today's music industry visuals are a huge component of of marketability and a lot of artists, um, some of them don't want to think about it. Some of them mm-hmm. don't want to get involved in that side of it. They just want to focus on the music, which is valid because I think that's their art form, you know. But then you have other artists that um, that see the value in in the visuals and the presentation, like from the artwork of the album covers to the photos to the music videos, you know. And the the good art, the wise artists or the good artists, I don't know, it's subjective, but like totally uh, see the value in in the visuals and it is an extension of what they're creating musically. Yeah. And we saw that with like, you know, some of the artists we've talked about, like King Cruel embraces that, Still Corners embrace that. Mm -hmm. Um, They even, Still Corners make a lot of their own music videos sometimes as well. Yeah, I saw that. Another DIY facet in their arsenal. Yeah, road trips with a little pocket camera and um, filming Mm -hmm. a bunch of things and editing themselves or sending it to someone else to repurpose and edit and stuff like that. Um, um, Yeah, and and there's, there's a few other artists I think we've talked about maybe that, Tori Imoir definitely, I feel like, sees that as well. The visual aspect. Component. Yeah, completely. Adrian like, Young, just in the way he dresses. Exactly. Sharp, I mean, snappy dresser. Super yeah. into fashion. Yeah. Always in a, uh, you know, a whatever vintage clothing. Yeah, or I yeah. think he, I think he said he liked uh, Ralph Lauren a lot. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of my favorite bands, The Strokes, often yeah. using a painting. Yeah. of a you know an artist yeah. as as their album cover no. the the band members of the strokes are never in the album cover i yeah. just i feel if i was to put my face on a record that i made that that feels vapid to me like i'm not yeah i'm not making music to for you to know who i am <laughs> yeah 
That's yeah. not the point at all. Unless you're like dressed up as a character and it's part of some story or some kind of sure. The, yeah, there's different things you can do. There's like a million that. different things you can do, and it's all okay. If you want to put your face on your record, do it. Yeah, that's a very valid way of presenting your music and your art. And it depends on the type of music as well, right? Because if you're in the mainstream and you're someone like Pharrell Williams, you know, I don't know. Well, actually, you know, he's an, he's an interesting, no, I was going to say peculiar, he's an interesting artist in the fact that he's, I think he's done different things. Like Pharrell Williams has been the pop star, like face of everything. Uh, he's, I mean, he's been around the block at this point. He's yeah. done a couple, you know. He's, but he's also done like NERD, which is like a different image. Right. You know, he's obviously been just a producer behind the scenes of things. Yeah, but, um, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so it's, that was an interesting tip. But, but yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, um, it. I guess what kicked off our little conversation back there was um, in, in the information you can find from Greg talking about these things, um, he he's definitely seems to be very thought, thoughtful, introspective creative person um i don't think they always get a lot of press coverage they don't do a lot of interviews they're like you know yeah you know, for a lot of artists you can like search their artist name and interview onto youtube and see a bunch of things like still corners you can find some stuff from like 10 years ago like um nothing on, on too you, recent on but, youtube i found like one interview yeah and it had it was there was like three parts yeah, yeah. but there was it was like one interview yeah yeah so that um, which is fine it just yeah. does it, i think these people are down to earth chill people yeah. who are just thinking about their art and thinking about themselves inwardly but that's not what they're particularly trying to project out into the world yeah. as a part of their art they're just living their lives yeah. and kind of keeping everything separate yeah and that's great yeah uh, you know i don't particularly i listen to music for the music i don't really care what you look like yeah or what yeah. Like I, I enjoy looking at cool art on your album cover. Yeah. And the cooler the art is, the more interesting it is, the more I will look at it and the more I'll probably vibe with your music even. Yeah. And sometimes it kind of turns me off a little bit to your music if your just face is right there. Because <laughs> whether we like it or not, visuals, we do associate visuals with what we're listening to. And if that's what you're looking at, that's the album art on Spotify mm. or on YouTube. Mm hmm then you you kind of automatically do whether you like it or not subconsciously associate the image with the audio yeah and people realize that and either use it if that's what you want to do and show your face on the album with your music yeah. if you're trying to promote yourself and your face as a brand yeah or if you're kind of keep it trying to keep it separate and use a painting or a different piece of art for your for your album cover yeah I think it's like way more it's, interesting it's to find either way. I think it's more interesting to <clears throat> create an image and, um, well, I mean, create a, a visual concept. Yeah. Um, you know, that you can explore and especially, like I say, this day and age, you're like where, you know, the, the, the part of you that needs to promote your music is a visual medium. Now, you know, you have to use things like social media and Instagram you know, and if you can do something creative that's visually complementary to your music, 
it's way more interesting than just like booking a bunch of random photo shoots with yourself in like different parks and doing weird shit just to fill sure. your feed or whatever. Like, <laughs> maybe you love your face and <laughs> sure everyone's face is beautiful but yeah basically all our faces look the same so <laughs> it's cooler to see some art that somebody particularly made for this specific piece of music yeah. that's more unique than just here's my face yeah exactly look at me yeah i'm making music <laughs> i'm famous <laughs> or, it's or fine. i want to be famous i i, I yeah. wish i was famous I wish it was. it's fine I'm, I'm making fun but like put your face on your album cover if you want i don't care <laughs> so boom yeah. 2011 creatures of an hour yeah. Cool album. Yeah. And then uh, Strange Pleasures came out in 2013, also on Sub Pop. Mm-hmm. That was the, the title track. There was The Trip, which is the one that we played, opened up the show with, and is the one that I think is how I found them. I think that's how a lot of people found them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what really sort of blew them up. I think, yeah. to be honest with you, I think it's the success of that track is why they're not on Sub Pop anymore and form their own record label. They, um, they realized at this point they had a little bit more power than... I mean, you know, needing to 57 million views on that one song. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. That's, I mean, you know, kudos to them. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Strange Pleasure, swooning harmonies, Mm -hmm. lush reverb, um, cool synth work, Mm -hmm. starker sounding, you know, know, icy synths. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of it's, you know, like good pop arrangement and it's like classic kind of 80s dark wave mm-hmm. is, is these are some of the vibes that i'm getting when i was listening yeah. through some uh, of these tracks so it's 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 a cool one i i dare to say start with this if you haven't heard these guys and you want to get into them yeah i got another quote from greg directly talking about this album as well i feel like it's interesting to hear his perspective on it always um he said i see it principally as a widescreen pop album clear with upfront vocals it's a little epic but not really retro futuristic Hmm. there aren't a ton of layers this time everything has its place and is focused what i hear is variety some reviews describe creatures as scattershot but i need that kind of diversity as part of me tessa's voice ties it all together beautifully Mm -hmm. i mean that's his outlook on on i mean that sounds Uh, apt sounds yeah um it was recorded in his his studio in greenwich was that in austin i'm not sure at this point had they moved back to the u.s i think so but i don't know just like i don't know if tez is on the first ep (laughs) yeah some of the stuff we don't know where i mean we're just exploring this as we go yeah but at this Um, point somewhere between 2013 and 2016 they they reset up their studio in Texas, right? Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, in Austin, he set up a studio there. Um, I feel like actually maybe it was after Dead Blue in 2016. Right. Is that make Does that make more sense if they they yeah. went to Texas first the for the album Slow Air? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So let's just say that Dead Blue came out in 2016. Yeah, that was the first release on their own uh, label. Which yeah. The label, by the way, is called Wrecking Light Records. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like what you were saying, they didn't. They felt like maybe they didn't need sub pop as more yeah. as as much as they did before. But I think after they started wrecking, like they still did some 
like publishing with Sub Pop at yeah. the same time. Yeah, they're still doing. And that. then Wrecking yeah. like did a different part of the release. Yeah, I think the you know they they decided to they realized they could just put out their own streaming themselves mm-hmm. and and then for the physical copies they were just wanted to do that themselves. Like yeah, vinyl and stuff like that. So cool. I mean, from Dead Blue 2016, I got some chill wave vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, some you know atmospheric stuff inspired like by maybe Brian Eno. Do you yeah, know? Brian Eno. Yeah, so super cool stuff there, and I was kind of getting some vibes like that. Yeah. Kind of, you know, mm-hmm. long form, atmospheric, yeah. chill stuff. Yeah. Even maybe less vocally, mm-hmm. less vocals throughout. Yeah. Um, so kind of shoegaze mm-hmm. vibes. I'm just like reading mm-hmm. my notes here. So some of it sounded like um, bands like M83 mm. or Neon Indian. I have not heard Neon Indian. I want to check that out. That sounds a cool name. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they have some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. And M83 is, does as well. Yeah, yeah, um, They're French, I think. M83. Is that true? I didn't know that at all. I've heard some of their stuff. They're good. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah, I don't know them that well, but yeah. some cool stuff there. I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Still Corners does, does what these kind of groups are doing and does it kind of wraps it all into a nice package and does it really well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what kind of Dead Blue... Yeah. is a is all is a nice little packaged gift yeah um, um with these kind of influences there from there they went to 2018 slow air which we were kind of mentioning before which is a super cool album i think another kind of high point in their discography mm-hmm. and i think at this point they moved to austin texas to set up a studio mm. um for change of atmosphere change of vibe yeah they i think they've toured in america yeah. And so they kind of, you know, were a little bit familiar with it, but wanted a change of scenery yeah. to, to kind of escape where they were and kind of explore something new to help with the help influence their music. And it's also a place where he grew up, right? Or lived for a part of his life. Yes. So, so I, yeah, I don't know if it was the same city, but very close to where he grew up. Yeah. In, he grew up in Texas and yeah. part in Arizona. Yeah. But I think they moved to a place where he was from in Texas, basically. Yeah. Like not. Yeah, I think he said it was not far from where he... Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know how far, but maybe just yeah. on the outskirts or something yeah, yeah. like that. But, and then, yeah, for Slow Air for this album, he said he wanted to return more to guitar um, for this mm-hmm. album and sort of basing a lot of the compositions more in that because he said he's traditionally a guitar player as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, Yeah, I think for um, Dead Blue, it was a little more maybe synthy kind of, like I was saying, chill yeah, wave. Yeah. He said it was more of a mechanical synthesized type sound yeah. yeah right 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 yeah so this slow air being a little more guitar driven mm-hmm. neo psychedelia neo psychedelia <laughs> yeah can i get a sandwich from there oh it sounds good neo psychedelia the, the delicatessen yeah um so i mean cool i i don't know i, I really liked this album as i was listening through yeah maybe yeah. they use a lot of um on the technical level, a lot of vintage mics, microphones for like miking up acoustic guitars and vocals. Um, I was gonna put some notes about specific mics that they used. Yeah, but then I decided against it because <laughs> I don't really care that much about. I didn't care mics. either. I was like, <laughs> I, I saw. I have them written down here as well. SM five fifty seven. But um, like, yeah, no, it's interesting. I think it's more interesting how they were used. They said like one microphone they had. He thought it was like used more for like BBC, like for radio broadcasts. Mm-hmm. It had a certain sound to it that kind of 
fell off or whatever. And there's like another mic that he said that was used on stage a lot in the 70s with a lot of people like David Bowie and people like that, I think. Right, yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah. I just, I just think it comes down to the aesthetic of what the mic looks like and how it sounds to you personally. Like yeah. obviously how you sound through the mic, through the speakers. Yeah. But I think it's just kind of a personal thing basically. If, if you think your voice, everyone has a different body and a different sound and yeah. different, uh, you know, where you're coming from, yeah. from music perspective yeah. and what you want things to sound like and where you're trying to go. So it's, it's uh -uh. just a super, another tool in the arsenal of infinite tools on earth. But it is um, a, a tool that can inspire you. I, right. I, and I've found is like, totally. Um, like, you know, when you're using, you know, a microphone for a certain thing, uh uh you know and you know like you use a, a if you ever get the chance to like use a really good like high grade microphone and mic up an acoustic guitar mm -hmm. or mic up your voice or mic up anything and then you hear it and you're like oh my god that's like whew, it's like buttery smooth you can hear the detail that yeah. is that can inspire you just hearing that can be like okay now i feel like i'm inside the track Right, I'm inside the song. I can like do some other stuff now. Kind sure, of thing, you know. So it's like, yeah, for that thing, and that like, that's incredibly valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I'm saying, it's completely subjective at the same time, and it's yeah. going to be a different mic for different people. Well, yeah, in different times. Well, because you might want a shitty, fucking raw, tinny sounding dictaphone type sound. you want to use a, a sure drum yeah, mic so. for your vocal on this i know some people <laughs> have like recorded drums real nicely and then they like burn it to cd and put it on a boom box and take it outside and then mic the boom box up and then they get their drum sound that way. <laughs> yeah so like, you know it, there's an endless amount of it's like whatever assets that you're trying to achieve like you don't need there's, there's, I think the thing is, is like you, you like you, you should be chasing the sound or the thing that you're trying to go after. Sometimes that does mean that you need an expensive microphone because there's no other way of re replicating that sound that you heard on like yeah. Some well, there album there are specific ways to get specific but, things done. Yeah, and that's why different things exist in the world. There's different laptops, different cars. Yeah, because of specific things. Yeah. But if you don't know what you want, yeah. then anything could be what you want. Yeah. There's not one end-all, be-all, best mic. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm just I, like I said, I'm not a gear person, and I will. I'll use yeah. like oh, I'm trying to record something. What's the closest mic to my body right now? <laughs> That's the one I'm going to use. Your phone. Yeah. Like literally, and I'm not even joking. There's a lot of records that people wouldn't even that don't know. I, I can't name any at the top of my head, but music that you've heard has been recorded on an iPhone microphone. Yeah. So... Well, Bonobo used, uses that a lot to, like, capture field right. recordings. Yeah. Little things that will end up looping and create, turning into something. In yeah, I think Billie Eilish uses iPhone recordings. Like, she used, a, like, a, a, a traffic beeper yeah. crosswalk thing or something like that. Um, and even people using it for vocals. Yeah. So the sky is the limit, is what I'm saying. And there's... I mean, you know, Jack White like makes, builds a guitar yeah. and then, you know, plays it. Yeah. Sky is the limit. Use whatever you have available. 
yeah. and do what you can with it yeah that's that's the best thing you can do there's no end all be all i gotta get this mic if i want to be professional yeah like yeah. forget it yeah use what you got you got audacity <laughs> for free yeah exactly. you got the internet you got audacity you can record music boom yeah that i don't know that that's my that's my take because yeah. I, I i'm sick of people being like oh, i gotta get the next box the next <laughs> i need this thing and then we can be good yeah, like, yeah whatever you you know so yeah, yeah it doesn't matter it's like <laughs> like obviously good things you get a better telescope you're gonna be able to see farther and clearer than a cheap telescope i get it yeah different things give well, you different different though right you're trying to that's science if, well that's what i'm saying if, if you know specifically what yeah, you're trying to do yeah. then there's a different product for you yeah you know you want to go fast get a ferrari yeah. do you have that much money though because if you're yeah. just trying to go a to b then you can get a, a Pinto <laughs> for a hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. A couple hundred bucks. That's true. You know? So I'm just saying it depends on what you're going for and what your yeah. purpose is. If you don't know what your purpose is, then there's no mic for you. Any mic is for you. If you don't know what your purpose is. Yeah. That's it. That's you what know? it's down to. It's like, you need to know what you're trying to do. And not a lot of people are starting to make music with their end goal in mind. Mm. They, they don't know exactly what they want. They're just trying to create something. Yeah. But they have it in their mind that I need this piece of equipment because my favorite artist used it. Yeah, you know. So you know, whatever. I'm not. Yeah, I'm getting heated over this because I just bit, people yeah. are constantly <laughs> talking about. I need this piece of gear. You know, I'm done. Well, yeah, because none of that makes you sound better. It's like we were saying earlier about like using Pro Tools and Ableton or whatever. It's like it doesn't matter. Like really doesn't matter. Um, it's it's what you create sonically. Like, yeah. But what you're saying though is like, um. You know, some people don't know their end goal when they're trying to create music, which is fine. Totally. But, but I think at some point you you figure that out. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if you're just in the ideation phase and you don't know what the end goal is, that's fine. But once you start noodling around and tinkering like uh, Greg does uh, uh, from Steel Corners, like once you find that and you start capturing those genies in the bottles and those sounds kind of thing, then I feel like you start to know what the end goal is. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and especially if you're going to create an album, like if you're a legit artist that wants to create an album, like, you know, yeah, fine. Spend that time experimenting, messing around with things, trying to figure out what you do. But once you capture that, then you should start to try and figure out what the end goal is and where you want to head to yeah, and how you want it to sound. And even how you want to it presented visually and how you want to put it out in the world mm -hmm. and how you want to tour it. Up, sure. You know, I would just stuff. always say that the music and, and what you're writing is always going to be more important than what mic you're using For or sure, what yeah. DAW you're using yeah. or whatever. Like yeah. music theory, the ideas, yeah. your imagination, what you're, how the instruments are working together to create something new. Yeah. You know, the writing, the musicality, the music theory, what chords are you playing and how are they interacting with each other yeah. through the vibrations and stuff like that. Yeah. The writing is always the idea of a song. Like we all know the ABC song, right? Yeah. Michael uh, Jackson a 5? No, just, just, oh, the, just, ABCs. just the ABCs. That's okay. how far I'm going. Like <laughs> A, B, C, D. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a song. <laughs> yeah. and, and that permeates all of our brains. We all know it. Yeah. But... What is what what is the finite recording of that? What mic did they use to make that song? <laughs> uh, 
who cares is yeah, the answer yeah, yeah. we all know the song and the song has permeated our whole society yeah. and nobody knows what mic was used for the final cut like who cares yeah that's true so that's what i'm saying yeah and a good song will permeate society and people's minds in your community if it's a good song if the music is there if the idea is there i guess you're right like, i have i know you're you're right i just like when i think about it though i think about like you know sometimes you what you create is not necessarily a song that people remember i mean mm -hmm. think about like actress and like and the, and the and the weird glitchy electronica that he creates yeah kind of thing. yeah it's like you know that's not that and he he needs to do go through certain things to create those certain sounds sort of thing yeah but totally. yeah but you're right they like more often than not that i mean that's a rarity like more often than not you're writing a song and people are not going to remember how it sounded in the recording they're going to remember the song itself yeah, but, yeah. the beat yeah. how it makes them feel yeah yeah that's endlessly you know that's infinite energy yeah. You can remember your favorite song after we leave here and you're walking down the street and you're 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 receiving value. My favorite song when I'm walking down the street on the way home tonight is gonna be A B C D. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope everyone's singing it. And I don't know who wrote that song. A B C But we all have that song in our head. You know what it does for me? Is that the lyric for the A, B, C. Five, one? I don't know. One, two, three. Oh, there you go, yeah. A B C one, two, three. You and me, That's a great song. But anyway, that's my point. You know, the music is in our head. Yeah, lives on. What what microphone did the Jackson Five use to create that song? Hurry, I need to know because that's the most important thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to be a. You made your point. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Loud and clear. Sorry, guys. No, it's a good conversation. Though. And it's a good <laughs> point. Uh, didn't didn't really think about that until you brought it up, really. That's just what's on my end, because everyone's like, yeah. well, what are we going to... Anyway, I already said it. So, okay, blah, blah, blah. Which... Wait, by the way, apologies to YouTube viewers. The cameras are dead. If you hadn't already noticed, <sighs> the, the cameras died. That always happens ago. on our best episodes. I know. <laughs> Hey, well, you know, we're in a new studio now in this in this future world. These are just the uh, first episodes we're trying to bring you guys. We have limited materials. We're up in our game. It's gonna, yeah. it's gonna. We have a revamp look and everything to the show. And we're excited. Um, soon in the next. Uh, well, yeah. This this is the, hey, I'm, this is the last show in the new studio in this old studio. Well, I mean, there you go. I just realized that. This is it. Yeah. Fuck. Literally. Literally. The next one and will the be in the new studio. Around. Yeah, the next one will be in the new studio. Uh, it, um, the story's perfect. Camera's going out. We need to already out, so you can't see us right now. But yeah, it's um, fine. Yeah, we're on to bigger and better. Signal is growing. Yeah, and we love it. We're moving next to one. <laughs> we're just up the block, but it, it's going to be bigger, better. Yeah, more cinematic. Totally, exactly what Jay just said. More, um. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Jay, let's let's close this out because we're not on the last record yet. They came out with still corners. We're talking about yeah, the last exit in twenty twenty one. So brand very new. brand yeah. new. I mean, on the twenty second, I think it came out. So yeah. like not a week ago, maybe just over a week ago. Yeah, uh, um, and in ago. this past time, yes. we're here in the future in May or June. So yeah, but yeah, I think it was January twenty second. If my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. And it's an awesome hypnotic journey. 
I, yeah. I listened to it on my way here. Yeah. Um, Desert Noir. Yeah. Is a way that uh, Craig used to describe it, I think. Um, it's, some of it was written during lockdown, COVID lockdown. Um, it's about, full of songs about lost highways, bad towns. Um, and the title track being Lost in the Desert with Old Scratch, the devil trailing just behind. Yeah, and I noticed they announced a European tour. In October of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that's going to happen. People, I think people are booking shows. I saw Poly Polyphia as uh, already supposed to be playing in Las Vegas in 2022. Really? Yeah, I saw that on their, their I mean, schedule. I'm, I'm hyped. I'm trying to, I'm going to go to a, I think a lot of people think the same thing. Yeah. A lot of people trying to go to a lot of shows as soon as we're up and back up. Well, yeah. I mean, that will be a good thing. Uh, I don't know where everyone is right now. Everyone's just disappeared. I don't know what the fuck's Yeah, going. just all separate, all... <laughs> this is like a walk around downtown. I see like two people and some tumbleweed and I'm like... Oh, exactly. Fuck. I don't know where I am anymore. We're in the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, we're, we're all still here. All the same people that were here yeah. a year ago before COVID. We're all still here. People are still creating yeah. in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. And... And, you know, people are not stopping just because hey, there's different rules and whatnot. Yeah, we're not stopping here at Signal. Uh, exactly. I, I was liberated and inspired by COVID. I mean, not directly the virus and the bad shit that's happened with that. But the, with respect to that, we were... Yeah, but the knock-on effects of, you know, lockdown and quarantining and, uh, you know, not socializing, not playing shows, not being able to be in recording studios very much or anything like that. Um, just to spend a time for, uh, to folk for me to focus on signal and for a lot of people individually doing, doing here now and individually like looking inward introspection and reflection. Yeah. And, uh, able to reevaluate a lot of people are yeah, reevaluating re what they're doing yeah. in life and where they want their job whatever they want to do yeah which is an extreme value a lot of time we we can do that anytime but but now it's there's it's, a lot of distractions in our day-to-day -day life when we got to go to work and we got to yeah. do this do that and yeah. you know in my life that's kind of what happened i was allowed to have a little bit extra time to to reevaluate like you said and yeah. and decide what i want to do and who i want to be and as an incredible value but yeah with respect to a lot of the negative stuff that happened over the last year year and a half or so so i hope everybody's okay out there yeah i know stay strong stay strong stay healthy everybody's still out here rooting for you yeah. and rooting for each other because we're all a big part of this human experience yeah and uh you know that's not stopping one way or another we're still all here and we're stronger together than we are divided you know it's a prophetic uh album title from still corners the last exit right and i just realized this is our last show in this studio that's it and this last album of this artist is called the last exit that is Whoa. perfect i didn't, we, didn't even plan this did not plan that and, and the I cameras mean, are down we couldn't Fuck. should that, i put my iphone on so people can see us yeah, yeah yeah i mean we could we could we could etch this in into the last we'll edit this in okay all right viewers we're, we're back um 
Here's Jesse. What's up? Here, let me, okay, I can get it too. Yeah, yeah, do yours and then send me the video clip and we'll edit it All in. Right. You guys, this is unprecedented. This is, this is the last exit. And we're now on iPhone. The cameras are down. Like we just got done talking about you don't need any special equipment. <laughs> Use your iPhone. You don't need a camera, special <laughs> camera. We you got iPhones, this. okay? Everyone has a phone. The last exit. Here's my notes. Yeah. And I mean, this is it. The last exit, last show at Signal Radio Studios in this specific spot before we move to a new location. Well, then we have to play a song from the album, The Last Exit. And this has to happen. Did you you listen to Zoom? Did you have any suggestions of a track? Off The Last Exit specifically? Yeah. Um, Let me... Should we play the last song of The Last Exit? Or, Or the song itself, The Last Exit? Mm, that is tough i gotta go with the last exit for the title alone let's keep it okay honed in on that all right i think it's a good one all right say goodbye to the the studio here and uh we apologize for uh the the cameras cutting out you couldn't see us through some very poignant moments and the last conversations here but roots to grooves we'll be back Next week, in a brand new fancy studio. Better than ever. In Pioneer Square, Seattle. Um, but for now, this has been Rooster Grooves. We've been talking about Still Corners. And I can't believe we're playing The Last Exit. That is crazy. It's perfect. I love it. I love it. All right, everyone. See you next week. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.